Welcome to the House of X Book Club. I'm Rob, and I'm joined by one crazy dance fiend named Drew. Hey there, man. You know, everyone else was dancing, and I was drinking my water, and I, the, the last two seconds of the song, I just had to come in and bring it hard. True. And Drew I think I succeeded. Bounce. Yeah, you bounce out, dude. Like, you're at one of the maddest raves ever. Um, That's a mosh pit. <laughs> uh, and then we got Shane. What's happening? House of X Book Club is for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but ODB's son is touring with the Wu-Tang Clan now. And it's Whoa. fucking awesome. <laughs> wow. Uh, Rowan. Rob. How are you doing? You hanging in there? I'm hanging on. I'm hanging yeah, on. Um, we're getting ready to talk about some... <sighs> some crazy X-Men and some crazy Avengers, and I cannot wait, wait, wait to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, and I say that partly because I've already heard what you have to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tonight we're going to be talking about two issues, X-Men number 40 and Avengers number 49. Uh, X-Men number 40's release date was November 9th, 1967. The cover date says January of 68. I'm starting to itch a little because I know that we are getting closer, closer to the end. Um, and, yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's like 23 issues? 20 or 29. Yeah, 66. 66 okay. was the final issue. Um, so the credits are written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Don Heck, inked by George Tuska, lettered by Artie Simic, and edited by Stan Lee, The Mask of the Monster. Um, now, there's also a backup story, which we'll talk about, but uh, let's get into this one first. So an expedition into the Arctic uncovers what is believed to be Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, you heard me right. That's some crazy-ass shit. Frankenstein's monster. Uh, Xavier sends the X-Men to retrieve the monster. And it's because he believes it. Like, they even ask him, do you think it's a mutant? No, I don't. I think it's a super android that might have been created by a mutant. Because that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so he sends them to retrieve the monster. And the monster escapes. Steal it. He oh. sends them to steal it. You're right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a good okay. thing they didn't didn't hear about Captain America before the American That's government got him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Why? Um. Somebody says something about uh, somebody something being frozen in ice, and that never could happen. And I don't exactly remember what the quote is, but I'm like. Oh, Captain America was frozen in ice, and I don't know. Maybe in the '60s you hadn't been frozen. I don't know. I'm no, no, no. He, yeah, he was frozen, and then yeah. the Avengers found him and thought him out, and then he joined the team. Yep. And uh, one of the scientists says something about that being the first time it's ever happened in the history when they uncover Frankenstein's monster. Wow. <laughs> maybe. Okay. Maybe Professor X is just mind controlling everybody and. Professor and uh, Captain America has been dead this whole time, and they're weak into Bernie's Bernie's too. Him, him around like with voodoo and shit. It's magnetism <laughs> that's keeping him going. Um, <laughs> so, 
So, of course, the monster escapes after the X-Men try to steal him. Um, he beats the snot out of the X-Men. And then... Um, I, now, with his eye beams. Him. With yeah, his eye beams. They're, they're trying to take him to a museum in New York, which doesn't make sense to me. Okay, fine, whatever. But yeah, the monster escapes and beats the X-Men because he's got superpowers, boys and girls. He has eye beams that are more powerful than Cyclops's eye beams. Not only that, but he has magnetic feet. Uh, okay. I, I, okay, I do want to back up just a little bit, Rob. Have you ever been to New York? Yes. Have you been to the Museum of Natural History? Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> when you go to New York, wouldn't you want to take Frankenstein to the Museum of National Natural History? <laughs> he he yeah. would have a great time. You he know, looking it. at the Neanderthal <laughs> men and the woolly mammoth and, you know, yeah. the little dioramas of the American settlers and the Indians uh, and completely rewritten you, history. Dude, I think he'd have more fun at the Exploratorium in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Plus, we could take him to see the gay men's chorus. That would be there awesome. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man. Boy. Okay. Next summer vacation, dude. That's what we're right. doing. You, me, and Frankenstein. We're heading <laughs> to the Exploratorium. Rowan, right. don't don't let them dress you up as Frankenstein and parade you. Through <laughs> That's what they're planning. Rowan, can you say fire bad? Fire bad. Look, I don't have the height to play the monster. All right. Oh yeah, but even Boris Karloff wore platform shoes. Um, yeah, see, but you know what? Already, if, that would be alert. your costume. If it's, that would if, be your costume. If it's San Francisco, we can't even go to Daljeet's anymore up on Haight. It's not there anymore to get her those big platform <laughs> thigh-high leather boots. It's uh, not there. It. I'm so sad. Oh, well. Thanks, um, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so the curator comes out, and uh, he comes after them with a gun? Yep. Yeah, um, thinking that they're vandals. Okay. Uh, now the X Men, of course, Museum's they have to ditch the museum and find the monster, and they have to they they get to him on a ship. They fight him. This is where he uses his powers to defeat them. But uh, he literally, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll defeat these guys." But it's Bobby Iceman that he just wants to kill. He's like, "Screw that guy! I need to kill him first. And it's because Bobby has the powers of ice and ice bad. Ice bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this takes him back to, you know, remembering being frozen. And that was not cool, man. That weakens his powers, I believe. Um, uh, something else happens in this issue where Xavier challenges it, challenges him personally. Um, oh, Xavier. Yeah. Of course, Iceman comes out and freezes him in ice just in time and causes the monster to blow up. Xavier was correct. He was a super android. Thankfully, thankfully, Xavier probed the mind of the android to discover that it was meant to be an ambassador of goodwill from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> Drew is losing his mind right now. <laughs> uh, oh, God. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh. So throughout the issue, the the Frankenstein's monster keeps talking about how he doesn't like all these people with colored costumes. They remind him of the other people with colored costumes. And everybody's like, what the hell is he talking about? Yes. He's been in the ice. For, yeah. He's been in the ice forever. What's he talking about? I don't like people with shiny pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, turns out the aliens that made him have colorful costumes. So, do we um, ever meet those aliens? No. Damn. Not personally. No, no. They just are like vague, you know, yeah. because because Professor X's powers can now affect the minds of androids. <gasps> Professor Xavier's powers can now project images on walls. Yep. Yep. Page four. Incredibly yeah. detailed images of creatures that he has never seen in person. He also had a premonition. Yes. In this issue. Yes, he did. So I think so, he just had a black a fever dream and really was blacked out in his torture dungeon. Yeah. It just goes to show that all that stuff that he spent his money and his ingenuity on building and all these machines to help him find mutants and detect things going on, none of it was necessary. None of it was useful. I mean, he had a machine that projected imagery on the wall. Do you remember early yep. on? Yeah, he could have done that with his own mind. I mean, well, maybe... he was. He was just trying. He was just flashy thinking everybody and trying to convince them he'd built a machine to do it so that they would <laughs> think he was weaker than he was. Maybe he's projecting the image into their brains, but that's not what the panel shows. And that's yeah. not what he says he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a note here that talks about the uh, a lot of the narrator boxes say scant seconds later or scant moments later. Uh, what about the scant dress that Jean Grey's still wearing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very. It's very frustrating, and it's so disappointing. Like I said, her last costume was awesome. It yeah. made her. Well, do you remember she went from she went from a skirt to pants. Yeah, and that made sense. So, uh, yeah, this uh, it, there's so many crimes of Xavier in this issue too. This, oh, this yeah, there are. It's it's absolutely insane. Um, well, there's also so, like a pretty good crimes of the X Men in this issue too. Yeah. Besides they, stealing Frankenstein's monster, and they stole a helicopter, and then. Yeah. Basically, yeah. they stole a helicopter and then just went and landed on a boat. And right? then, and then when, <laughs> then when everyone started pointing guns at him, we're like, "Who the fuck are you?" They're like, oh, "Listen, bitch, this is our boat now." <laughs> just right? wipe everybody out. <laughs> Welcome to Oz. So, and on, on page five, Professor Xavier has Jean Grey use her 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 telekinetic powers to bash a guard against the wall to knock him out right like yeah. why did why doesn't he just mind wipe him to let them in and then oh he yeah and then like on, he did on, to everybody in washington dc yes and then and then on page nine he he mind wipes um he mind wipes the people into letting him steal the helicopter so like why why did he have gene gray like literally assault this guard who's just doing his job and be like oh sorry we're closed you can't come in and he it 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 makes no sense. It's how he got his jollies. <sighs> and then she just does it. She just knocks him out. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, okay. There's there's not a better way we can get past this guard. Let's just, you know, assault him. 
I well, think that what yeah. you're not what you're missing though, Drew, is the tone because when she does those things, it's like, yes, professor, I will murder <laughs> this security guard. <laughs> uh, I have here the crime crime of Xavier. Uh, professor Xavier gets Gene to do his dirty work on a guard. Um, and then uh, commanding officials to give them a helicopter. Um, I think we what we really need to talk about is probably what everyone misses in this issue is the two scientists. Because uh, there has to be someone that's a total dick in every issue of the X-Men. And here yeah. we've got cigarette smoking, feathered bangs scientist is just really, really is just really putting off missed signals mixed signals through his whole little appearance here. I just feel like what he really needs is to go into the back room with his lab partner and cuddle for a bit and really talk <laughs> some things through and he'll just be happier as a person as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Which one, Dr. Powell? Yeah. Um, just... Did they even have names? I didn't notice that. Yeah, Dr. Powell, he's the one that like just had to go ahead and wake up the monster Right away. Oh, instead of letting the pompous wasn't, bureaucrats do it. That's wasn't right. waiting wasn't waiting for the government authorization uh, or whatever. I'm just saying his his cute little twink lab partner would probably be an excellent little spoon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, magnetism shows up in this, rears its ugly head. As I said, Frankenstein's monster has magnetic shoes. Mm -hmm. Um and uh i also just like the fact that you know he's supposed to be a goodwill ambassador and yet he has all these you know weaponized powers yeah right and anger issues yeah such anger issues um it makes you wonder like what the 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 makers like what their actual intentions were really so so rowan this this kind of leads me to to asking you about your thoughts okay we talked about this earlier today about uh, your feelings of frankenstein and how why don't you explain some of that well please? i mean i have a really big pet peeve uh about not adaptations of frankenstein per se but like when there's this idea that frankenstein's monster existed in mary shelley's world like the monster is real and mary shelley just wrote about the act like an actual thing that she didn't come up with it herself that that bothers me I, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine she's like basically the inventor of sci-fi and it, it just it downplays the significance of that when they're like whenever there's this idea that she just that she just took something real and and wrote about it and um so that that's just i know it's it's fantastical in its own way but it's just a pet peeve of mine and um and i just recently read another story that did the did kind of did the same thing and with Frankenstein's monster. Right, yeah, with and it was more like a, yeah, with a person and who was doing experiments and and there was some sort of monstrous thing in the woods and da, 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 and and a young Mary Shelley 
took that and made a story out of it. And I was like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and so I just have a thing. I just have a thing. Yeah. About, I was like, oh no, she was much more inventive than that. And well, they, um, they talk in here about Frankenstein's monster being created. Remember I talked about how Xavier's like, oh yeah, he's obviously created by a genius or, you know, maybe he was created by a mutant, you know. Um, oh, that was another they, thing. Because yeah. another thing, like he, he would, he says that if he is able to investigate or inspect Frankenstein's monster, he'll be able to tell if it was created by a mutant. So he can just tell if something is created by a mutant now? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, um, they do mention Mary Shelley's story in this book. Yeah. And I there was a bit that I actually thought was kind of fun, which was uh Bobby apparently didn't read Frankenstein, <laughs> even though and it, was, an it assignment. was assigned last spring by the professor, which takes me back to the questions that we had early on. Do they actually hold real classes at this, <laughs> at this school? <laughs> apparently they do, but nobody does their homework. So <laughs> uh anyway. Um, I, I one of my one of my notes being silly. I was like, I bet that monster feels really good that Professor X believes in him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what a couple of my other crimes are uh, mind uh, wipes the whole mind, boat. Mind wipes, whole boat. <laughs> mind, mind wipes the crew on the ship, and uh, and like stealing monsters. So <laughs> yeah, and a helicopter. My. And a helicopter. My kind of silly note for this one was on page 13 on the, on the fourth panel. Hank tells the monster to quote, you'll bore us to death with your salacious soliloquies, my fatuous friend. Well, that, that's that, literally, that's all <laughs> Hank ever does is bore us to death with his salacious soliloquies. I know. I was that. I, yeah, that was what my notes. It was like, this Frankenstein is a verbose motherfucker. He speaks better <laughs> than Kazar. Yeah, but yeah. there was, and then there was like at one point it was like, when he was like, he was like, they were talking about how he had like a, an exceptional punch. It was like a mystic punch or something like that. And my note was, oh, Frankenstein, the original Iron Fist. And then the next panel, he clobbers the angel, and I was like, Warren Worthington the third, the original tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that story was fun in a whole different way. I didn't think fun was possible. Um, <laughs> there is a backup story to this book, remember? Yeah, story number yeah. two, by the way, is called The First Evil Mutant. And it, again, picks up where we left off with the last backup story. Young Scott Summers meets the first evil mutant in that shack that he's hiding out in, a man named Jack Winters. Jack can read mental vibrations. He can also teleport himself and others. And he uh, takes Scott away just as the cops show up looking for them. Um, of course, Xavier is also looking for Scott. And this is where the winter Winters tries to enlist Scott to help him with a heist. Apparently, Winters tells him that he had an accident. He pulls off his gloves and shows him these diamond hands. And he says, this accident gave me my powers. I was trying to, I was working with radioactive isotopes and uh, something went wrong. Well, they gave me my powers and they 
turned my hands into diamond. So Winters, uh, what he wants to do is he wants Scott's help to go steal more of the radioactive isotope so that he can enhance his abilities. Of course, Xavier shows up for a fight with Jack of Diamonds, and, well, the rest is history. Um, of course, it is only five pages because we, you know, have to have something to read in the next X-book that'll, you know, something fun to read in the next X-book. But uh, what are your points on these? What do you guys have to say about this little snippet? Well... Um, Drew's face is all pinched up. <laughs> I don't really have much to say on this one. Yeah, I would well, say that if if they were gonna do Jack Winters as a character in the relaunch of the X Men universe, he look he's a dead ringer for James Garner. But then <laughs> I don't I don't remember if James Garner is still alive. Uh, I wouldn't think so. No, he passed away. Um, and if he was still alive, he certainly wouldn't look like that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, there was a, Jack Winters has shown up, you know, uh, again. In fact, I was showing Rowan one of the trade paperbacks of, I think it's called Marvel Legends, mm -hmm. which is basically you take, original writers and artists and you have them continue a story that they worked on years ago. Um, like Louise, uh, or excuse me, I think it was Louise Simonson and uh, uh, Walt did an X factor story that had Walt's art and her writing. And it was, you know, X factor versus apocalypse. Uh, and it was cool. It was, it was really kind of neat kind of looking back on that. It was a story that kind of filled in the gaps but it was a recent story that they wrote. So Roy Thomas did a story recently that took place after this storyline. And it had Jack, uh, Jack Winters running off to the Canadian wilds where, where he met with Wolverine, who wasn't an X-Man yet. Um, and not only did they meet up with Wolverine, but they met up with, I guess, Beast. At any rate, things went down. Jack of Diamonds got shattered. <laughs> but it was kind of interesting. To it, it was by no means a great story, um, sadly. It was cool to see Roy Thomas pick up a, a story, a recent story, and, and you know, pick up where he left off um, and how he, you know, how he did that. I think it left a lot of weird, like, continuity issues. Um because he decided to use Wolverine before he became an X-Man and a beast with the blue and I don't know, all fun, all kinds of funny stuff. But uh, it was interesting to see Jack, Jack Winters be used again. So. Yeah. As I looked at some of the pictures from the later Jack Winters, I was like, was it the belt that made him able to turn his entire body into a, uh, a diamond diamond? I think that was a mutation due to the, I, yeah, I, I think it was uncontrollable. Okay. Cause I was just, cause the, it, the belt looked like something out of a bad nineties book. Like it was, Oh yeah, it was, it was, yeah. a, it, was <laughs> totally. a, it was like, yeah, he looks like a fairly proportioned dude until he puts this weird belt on that now makes his waist broader than his shoulders. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's... it wasn't a great story, but like I said, I think it was kind of cool to see Jack Winters be used again after all these years. I just um, I find it interesting that you know he had the resources and the knowledge of a store where you could buy villain gloves before there was really a proliferation of superheroes in the Marvel universe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he stole them from the office. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, uh, this story, boy, I, I don't know. You know, it's, I don't know how I feel about a backup story telling the origins of the X-Men. You know, um, there are books, Journey into Mystery and Tales of Suspense, and those were often too story long, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but but I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like the format of like having a main story and then a little story from the past telling the origins of the X-Men. I think it's, I think it's crap. <laughs> yeah maybe it's just that it's just too short it's just like this little snippet and it's mm. too short yeah a more evenly split issue would have probably been a little bit better because i think that the frankenstein story did seem a little bit too long and then the origins seemed a it could have been short. five pages and it would have been too long <laughs> <laughs> but then again the the ending of the factor three storyline was too short like yeah. that la- that last issue. Yeah. I mean it I guess that yeah, they're still they're still messing with this new format and trying to find a balance. And I think that it really shows in these early issues. I mean, especially I mean, when you look at this one, it just yeah, the the we talked about him padding out the um stories and the Frankenstein story seemed like even though it was not even a full issue, it had been padded out. Like it, right. they had written it too short, and rather than extending the Spyclop story, they're like, "Well, no, we know what we want to do there. We've got a Cliffy plan for each episode, each little five-page arc." But it was almost like the backup story was the the main the main story in the book was written to fill space to fit with the backup story. Yeah, and that uh, last issue's backup story, where where Cyclops first appears. And this one, you know, it's it's Cyclops's story. So, like, realistically, that could have just been a ten-page story. Yeah. Yeah. True enough. True enough. Well, um, <clears throat> before we depart this issue of X Men, um, I wanted to point out the machine that Xavier uses to uh, to do his, you know, poking around. He's Cyberno. using what he calls Cyberno, and it is apparently the prototype of Cerebro. Uh, you can buy Cyberno at the take. corner store and use it to polish your finest silver. <laughs> like that, that, yeah, that made me do a double take because it, they, they really could have just called it Cerebro and been like, yeah, this was a prototype, you know, Cerebro Mark 0.5 or whatever. Right, uh, calling it Cyberno, like I thought it was a typo, and I thought I literally thought I was going crazy when I read it, but it, yeah, it was just weird. It was just a weird choice. Ron yeah. and I have talked about writing down all the names of all the equipment that they use. 
um, <laughs> equipment vehicles. Um, of course, now I know where all the the stuff that they obtain. You know, how many islands has Magneto given up over the years? Uh, how many murder boats has he, you know, just let left alone? Uh, <laughs> the island-shaped submarine. The... That's right. He's got, <laughs> you know, besides a, a an asteroid that that has a base on it, he's he's got all kinds of gear, and that has to go somewhere. So. I do, uh, but anyway. I do have a question for you guys because I was just kind of thinking about it. Cyberno, if if Batman had a Cerebro, what would he call it? It the would bat be a bat something. <laughs> the, the what? What Shane? The Bat Mutant Detector. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's got to have a better name than that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like that. The way they name shit, it's just so weird. Bat Finder. In comics in general, not just oh, X Men or Batman, but I <laughs> always love the bat, the bat shark repellent. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite words of all time is just battering, and the fact that it's it's just so common usage anymore. Just the battering's a thing. We accept it. Everybody but, knows the battering. Yeah, it's just such a good word. <laughs> it's that's it's more recognizable than uh, battering's more recognizable than pliers or a screwdriver. Yeah. it's the bat finder drill. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. much better. The just, just factor three had a predictoscope, an oblivio ray, and magno discs. Oh, and don't and don't forget the 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 floor. It was the um. What was that called? Um, the sonic floor, or I don't remember. Oh, I just oh, wrote down a few of the weird ones. It was the floor was electrified, but they called it a shock ray. <laughs> That's some high tech gear right there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the next and final issue of the night. Um, Avengers number 49. The release date was December 12th, 1967. The cover date was February of 1968. The uh, credits in it, we have writing Roy Thomas, penciling John Bashima, uh, inking by John Bashima, art by, or excuse me, lettering by Art Simic, and editing by Stan Lee. The uh, title of this story is Mine is the Power. I got to start with this cover is dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's Too bad right. it, it was the cover for this story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's a market out there for cover art. Man. It's yes, very indeed. reminiscent of Crisis on Infinite Earth. Well, I think to be fair, Crisis is probably reminiscent probably, yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's probably more mainstream than this one is. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Um, when I was uh, in the Valley recently going through my old comic books, I think I showed you, I, I pulled out a couple of gems that I really like. And, uh, you know, one is the mimic fighting with uh, uh, Super Adaptoid. And, uh, but I have, I have these issues of the Avengers and I, for some reason, didn't bring them along. I should have brought them with me. Um, but these, I, three, these three covers I like a lot. Um, the story arc yeah. at any rate but no the story's um, not to go into the thing with the super adaptoid i recently saw an ad for a, a super adaptoid action figure 
Yeah. <laughs> and all I could think was, like, do you hate your children? Well, this <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> give them the super adaptoid. <laughs> it wasn't one of those things where you, you know, you buy a Wolverine and then there's like a super adaptoid leg. <laughs> uh, you know, you know those. Oh, yeah, those for sure. I think that I, uh, I bought my kid the one that you was like, that was all X-Men and you built Mojo. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, this oh. thing is big and fat. It's going to fall apart the second you put it together. <laughs> I love Mojo. Apparently, they're pretty stout, though. I've, I've seen some really good, uh, you know, the figures, the, the 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 figures put together. I've seen some pretty good ones. They, they have, you know, Sentinels and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, the story begins with Drew's favorite superhero, Hercules, on Mount Olympus. Doing his jungle gym speak... act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's trying to figure out where everybody went. <laughs> they Welcome. heard you were coming, Hercules. Um, and uh, he discovers Typhon, a Titan, and is told that Typhon destroyed the Eternal Flame, causing all the Olympians to fade away. Uh, back at Avengers headquarters, and I'm that blunt about it because, well, he's only in there for a couple pages. Uh, back at Avengers headquarters, Hawkeye is upset that Cap quit. He just keeps moping and griping and complaining about it. Goliath is pissed off uh, because Pietro and Wanda are missing, and so is Wasp. Is that right? Was Wasp missing? No, Wasp isn't missing. Wasp no, is Wasp. just... Oh, no, no. Wasp is also pissed arguing. off. Sorry. Yeah. She's not missing. She's also mad. She was um, making him peanut butter sandwiches. She was literally yeah. in the kitchen making them sandwiches, and he was mad that she was not there. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Hank... A.K.A. Goliath, right? Divulges to Wasp that he's made modifications in his Ant-Man helmet. Now, apparently, he's holding back some vital information, and that has to do with him overtaxing his abilities and not being able to grow anymore. So he's like, well, if I can't be Goliath anymore, I'll be Ant-Man. But he's really broken up about it. He's like, I'll never to be I'll never be able to grow 10 feet tall again. Uh dude, you, you got the Avengers behind you, man. You know, I was thinking about that. They say that he he's generally 10 feet tall. Well, he's probably like six feet tall normally. Unless yeah. he's just really short. Who knows? So let's just assume he's six feet on a good day. He's only growing four feet taller. <laughs> that's not a very good power yeah except the reason why he's in trouble now is because he used it to grow 20 feet tall mm -hmm. yeah. and that was a bit much so but he'll be able to be ant-man again and that's something at least he'll be useful in that in that way uh meanwhile magneto takes the maximovs wanda and pietro to the future headquarters of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's a really spiffy place. He takes them on a tour of the island. Another island, by the way. This is like the third island we've seen Magneto have. Um, <laughs> and he tells them he doesn't want them to... Uh, he does, Look, I don't want to dominate anymore, okay? That's not what I want anymore. I just want to be left alone. I want to create a refuge for mutants. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, that's what he tells them, but he also like has thought bubbles. Oh yeah, I'm lying about this. I'm just trying to trick them into following me. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he decides that he's going to, you know, 
take Wanda and 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 Pietro to where does it? Where do they go? They go to like the UN, the UN yeah, building, the UN right? Building. And uh, and Pietro and Wanda are like, yeah, we'll just we'll take you to the UN building. Sure, I mean, you know, what are they thinking? What are they like? They're still acting as Avengers, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they take him to the UN building, and everybody's like, well, he's with. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, so it must be okay. Let him in, and uh, and then he he throws his he throws his magnet magnet <laughs> magnetic dick around. Um, you know, he's basically saying, "I come in peace, assholes. Uh, get out of my way, puny mortal. I come in peace." And it's like, dude, you're a you're a huge jerk. Okay, nobody's gonna buy that, but people do until a gun goes off, and. Uh, there's a there's a fight. Well, the Avengers, right? The Avengers do show up. Uh, a human fires a gun, grazing Wanda, and at that point, Pietro decides that he's going to. Uh, he decides that he's he's going to 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 battle all of humanity. That's it. He's done. He hates humans. He's no longer an Avenger. Uh, I don't know that he's deciding to join Magneto in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but Wanda gets shot, and Pietro is like, "I've had it with humans." It it seemed like a pretty, uh, a pretty shocking, pretty abrupt turnaround for him. I mean, they did talk about him a little bit. I know you don't like people, but uh, you know Magneto's evil, and we're Avengers. We took a vow, so. Um, after that, we go back. Typhon is still battling Hercules, and then Typhon exiles Hercules the way that he did all the others. So, and makes um, him fight the fish sandwich spread. Oh, god, Tartaro! I have, I have, yeah, that's right, Tartaro. Um, I have my only note, my only extra note in this was that Magneto was right, and uh. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I think what I mean by that is in this issue, even though he was pretending, Magneto was kind of acting like he does now or did recent up till recently in the comics. Um, with that, he understands, you know, humans are jerks and mutants can be jerks, and he doesn't want to rule over everybody, but he wants people to understand that mutants are mutants are 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 the dominant dominant species well that they know not so much that but that 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 he wants a refuge for mutants well yeah yeah i mean even though he is kind of talking out his ass right now this is the first time that he says it and it becomes something that he means yeah yeah as time goes on and he gets it later with krakoa right Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had that in my head like the whole time I was reading this issue is like, yeah, even though it is bullshit in this issue, this really is the origins for a lot of what the X-Men deal with for decades to come. That mm-hmm. And that's what I meant earlier um, when I said this is like where some of the legacy stuff starts. This is like stuff I was thinking about. And, and you know, you hear about it and this is like this. These are the seeds of these things growing into what we see now. So you're absolutely right about that. 
And it just happened to be in an Avengers book and not in an X-Men book. Yep. Mm -hmm. well, I just, where Go I want to know is like, where did Magneto get the really evil looking airplane? Things so cool. Thing? That thing is that he stole it from Batman, but yeah, <laughs> he stole it from as bats. That's like something Asriel would have flown. Yeah. 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 He, he said he built it. I thought it looked like, uh, I thought it looked like the, um, the alien spacecraft that would fight Donald Duck and his, or uh, Daffy, Daffy, Donald Duck, Daffy Duck. Howard the Duck. <laughs> Darkwing I, Duck. Yeah, I could uh, see like, if Howard the Duck and Darkwing Duck had a kid, that would be their, it's, 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 it's flight thing. Yeah, it's his little Plane. space car. Yeah. What I like is that Magneto raised his mutant island from the ocean depths and it had a staircase. Yeah. I mean, that's magnetism. so convenient. Yeah, he raised it with magnetism. So, uh, you know, he could do whatever he wants. He's the It's some cool shit on that island. There I mean, is. Come on. But but it's it's interesting to see how Magneto's taste as an interior decorator has evolved over the decades because mm -hmm. When we get to the Krakoa era, there is not nearly as much interior fire where Magneto lived as there are when his in his world within a world. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go a mere maybe it's twenty years, maybe it's fifteen years from where we're reading now, when he has an island and uh, Scott Summers and his girlfriend crash land uh, on the island. And uh, it's decorated with like gold-plated octopus heads and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that place was really weird, and, and, we, and it was that was like Magneto was the only one living there too. And yeah. then like and then yeah, it's Scott Summers and and was it wasn't Madeline was it or no it was no, Madeline. It was Lee. No no no, oh. it was Lee. Okay, uh, her name. And they was just Lee. kind of hanging out there. Lee Forster. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, um, they just. And it's like, and it's vacant and there's like, yeah, it's just like weird random staircases coming up out of the water on this at, at time at the time. Cause Magneto was hiding was empty Island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they also woke up with, you know, a new set of clothes on too. Right. Um, and we, oh, it was like, it was like, it was like settling at all. It was like togas or something. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, it, they were, they were old gowns or old, like Scott's was, beautiful i mean and he had like a helmet on there was all kinds of weird it was bizarre yeah but um, it, it was a chris claremont book so in 372 issues you find out that it was his great grandmother's moo moo that, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well anyway um yeah so so that was that was that. Um, oh, you know, I did have a question about this issue because uh -huh. the one thing that they definitely did not explain is what was in that security guard's genitals that would cause Magneto to be able to lift him in the air like that. Because Ooh. that did you see? It's like that it was, was like pro they were prosthetic testicles. Oh, 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 okay. So they were made <laughs> from like cast iron in yeah. the sixties. Balls of steel. That's a just so he shot lightning out his ass every time he ran to the corner store. <laughs> just, one's flint, one steel. <laughs> every time he runs. Fire! Wow. Wow, you guys. Sorry, Rowan. Um, it's all right. 
Well, I will tell you this. I don't think we're going to be revisiting Avengers anytime soon. That may make you sad, Drew, because I know you're dying to figure out what happens to Hercules. I almost read issue 50, and I was like, no, fuck Hercules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've got some stuff coming up. Coming up. Let's see. Um, We're going to actually have a a pretty good stretch of of X-Men uh, until oh until we get to another Avengers issue, but it's not Avengers fifty. It'll be Avengers fifty three, and that's that's a little way down the road. So, and um, um, listeners, when Rob says good stretch, he means like long stretch, not quality good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figured we should clarify now so that you're not like false advertising when we get to the yeah, next episode. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. Um. Also, I, I do want to say that we love the X-Men. I mean, we, we enjoy the X-Men. That's why um, we're so sad. Reading that's these why issues. We're so <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, but I don't I do want to point out though, even though it's completely irrational and unwarranted, the anger and the detail in Magneto's face in this book is great. Yes. Yeah. He's he has no yeah. reason to be that angry, but the anger in his face looks really good yeah he's just angry he doesn't have children of his own <laughs> Ooh. but he does he just doesn't know it yet yeah <laughs> yes polaris <laughs> does he know about her no i mean polaris hasn't even really shown up in this book yet no no she hasn't shown up but but obviously at this point he doesn't realize that uh scarlet witch and quicksilver are his kids and then they're but... not and then they're not. Yeah. <laughs> so. So we're we're at this point in continuity. We're back where we were sixty years ago. That's right. <laughs> Magneto <laughs> has no children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's. I think that's it for us, you guys. Um, thanks for joining us. Keep listening. I swear. I swear it gets better. <laughs> uh, there's well, like I'll be positive next time. <laughs> I'm going to try my hardest to be. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, yeah, keep listening. Um, moving along the X-Men line. Like I said, we've got another Avengers issue coming up. And then there's a really long stretch. Before we fan out for. So, so what what um, two, what two issues are we reading next or what two issues are we looking at next episode sir Oh yes so next episode we are going to be talking about X-Men number 41 and 42 um and those are If I Should Die which I think is is a book that I also have um and on the co- the cover boasts that Professor X dies in this issue. Um, and then also now strikes the human, which uh, both of these also have backup stories. 41 is now strikes the human. And then 42 is if I should die with Xavier falling out of his wheelchair on the cover. Um, so we're still kind of, I, I we're we're kind of wrapping up with like the fallout of Factor Three, and then we're still doing the backup stories with the 
um, origins of the X-Men. So at any rate, hang in there. Uh, it'll be Christmas before you know it. <laughs> I am really excited for issue 42 because yeah? on the cover on the cover it says it's it's not a hoax it's not a dream not an imaginary tale this is for yeah. real the death it's of true professor too. x yeah. that's exciting <laughs> yeah there's there is definitely a death in this issue it happens because stan so. never lied to anybody no nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right true believers uh i guess we'll catch you next time Thank you much for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody.